You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is oh so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. Did you know that you have the power to create your own financial destiny? As our guest, Chris Gillibu, New York Times bestselling author of The $100 Startup, Side Hustle, Happiness of Pursuit, and his new book, The Money Tree, says... You are never at the mercy of fortune as long as you have an appetite for hard work and a willingness to step outside of your comfort zone. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Come to Game. 
where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. I have been a big fan of Chris's for years now. I share this in the interview, but I think I've read his book, The $100 Startup, about 10 times, maybe more. It is definitely one of my staples. Needless to say, I was super, super excited to talk with him about his new book, The Money Tree, his thoughts on financial freedom, entrepreneurship, and practical ways that he thinks you can start right now to build your own money tree. So I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did talking with Chris. Well, I am I am fangirling over here mm-hmm. because uh, your book, The $100 Startup, it, it literally changed my life. I think oh, I must have awesome. read it six to 10 times easily. So I just want to say first on behalf of everyone listening, if you've not read it, read it. But thank you for for sharing this wow, knowledge with that's us. So cool. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Well, you've done all the work. Um, you've, you've <laughs> built. All, I mean, you've built the community to what it is. So congratulations to you. Yeah, uh, there's so much I want to talk to you about, but I wanted to start with, uh, because most of us probably won't be traveling anytime soon, mm-hmm. you have visited, you say, every country in the world, which is just crazy by your mm-hmm. 35th birthday. So <laughs> tell me a little bit, like, what sparked this idea? Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a good thing I've already finished it because, <laughs> you know, that would be a, this, this would put a damper on it. What sparked the idea? Well, um, I... I I loved I loved to travel. I, I was an aid worker for several years in West Africa. I lived in the Philippines for two years when I was a kid. Um, so I'd been a fair number of places, and I just I really enjoyed the process of it and enjoyed being in different situations and such. And then I was also always a, a list maker, so I'm a big fan of like writing down my list of things to do and my ideas and you know various things. And so I made a list of all the countries I'd been to, and at the time I think it was something like thirty. And I was like, okay, let me set a goal to go to a hundred countries, basically. And I got closer to the hundred countries. And then I thought, let's go to, you know, let's go to every country because if you just go to half of the countries in the world, then it's kind of easy because you can pick and choose and such. And so, um, it just turned into this quest that then turned into a whole bunch of other stuff that I never really expected. So I guess it just started because I liked, I was interested in doing it. I wanted to know if it was possible. Yeah. What, do you have a, a, like a top three list of, of some of your favorite countries? I mean, I, there's a lot of places in the world that I like. I guess uh, my top three list would include Australia. It would probably mm-hmm. include South Africa and uh, maybe Hong Kong as well, let's say. Really? Oh, that's yeah. that's awesome. But I yeah. just like to travel. I, mostly I just like the process of like planning trips and going uh-huh. to new places and uh, being kind of immersed in something that's a little bit different. Do you have any... Uh, great uh, money-saving tips for, for travel? Um, I mean, I built a whole business around it for a while. I, I had this business called Travel Hacking Cartel, uh, which is is no longer uh, active. But but if you go to my website, you can read like basically all the same information for free. I mean, I did a lot of the trip uh, or the, the series of trips using frequent flyer miles, using mistake fares, using lots of different things that I learned about as I, as I went along so that it wouldn't be that expensive. Um, and so all that stuff is, is freely available. 
So hopefully, hopefully we get to a, a point. I don't, I don't know when it's going to be. <laughs> Maybe a year from now. I'm not sure, but uh, hopefully we get to a point in time when mm-hmm. we can travel again and yep. we can have those experiences. Because I think you just learn so much from seeing different cultures, and mm-hmm. and also you learn a lot about yourself. Yeah, that's good. I think I learned as much about myself as I did about other cultures. Um, so I'm glad you mentioned that. And you, you obviously are are built this whole entire career around being self-employed, a big advocate for for being self-employed. Did you always grow up with that idea of being an entrepreneur or did you just kind of find yourself down that path? I'm not sure I knew what an entrepreneur was when I was growing up. I, um, I just knew I didn't want to work for other people. Like I wasn't, I wasn't good at, at you know, right. having a job basically. And so this whole, this whole like big concept of entrepreneurship and such kind of came later, uh, or even like the idea that, you know, self-reliance is such a critical thing. We can change the world by looking after ourselves, creating our own security, et cetera. Like all this kind of stuff that I have based a lot of what I do on now in the beginning, it was just, how can I, how can I pay my bills basically? Like, um, so you know, from age 19 onwards, I always worked for myself and I didn't like, once I started with that, it was like, I'd never want to go back. It's very hard once you have experienced a bit of freedom, you know, the ability to set your own schedule and such, and, um, the ability to make more money. If you work harder, if you work smarter, if you learn a new skill and such, like that's very difficult to like go back to a regular job and like, okay, now I'm going to work at the bank, you know? So fortunately I never went to work at the bank. Yeah, I always tell people that I'm I'm allergic to fluorescent lights, which mm. of course isn't true, but it's just that that mm-hmm. feeling that I get when I step into like an office building sure. where it's like I do not belong here mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, well you might be allergic to people telling you what to do. Yes, yeah, so that's probably another, what another common allergy. Yeah, I, I probably am allergic to that one. Well, I'm curious, being being self-employed, have have you had any like mindset shifts or anything that's gone on during these last few weeks that have Mm. been sort of aha moments for you? I don't know if I've had a ton of aha moments. Um, I mean, I try to practice gratitude. Um, You know, my life is pretty good compared to a lot of people um, in the sense that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm impacted in one way with my career. Like I was supposed to do a book tour. I was going to be in 40 cities and now I can't do that. So that's discouraging, but obviously people have much bigger problems than that. Uh, For me, like I've always worked from home. I've always worked on my own and I, you know, I'm an introvert and I spend a lot of time by myself writing or working on projects and such. So a lot of things are not that different for me, I think what's different is just kind of like being in one place, you know, for all that and, um, you know, choosing to connect with people, you know, more virtually, more digitally and stuff. So I think most of my aha moments aren't really about my experience. It's more just like noticing, you know, millions of people now are working remotely for the first time. And so they're all kind of like jumping into this world, you know, that's very familiar to, to me and probably you and some of the listeners as well. But it's interesting to see a lot of the I think a lot of industries and a lot of companies that have said in the past, it's not possible, you know, for us to do remote work and all of our people have to be in one place, something like this happens and they realize actually we can do like it actually can work, you know, for us to be kind of spread apart. And so I think one of the things that's going to be most interesting is when all of this ends, whenever that is, like, even if it were tomorrow, I don't think, you know, all these millions of people are suddenly going to go back to the way things were. I think like they've had that freedom and they're like, hmm, maybe, I, maybe there's another way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm super curious about that myself because obviously we are 
we just, this has changed us in so many different ways. And do we mm-hmm. just snap back into mm-hmm. the, the same culture that we were before? Or, or are there changes in different industries where uh, technology is used more? I, I think yeah. one of the coolest things I was thinking about the other day was, you know, all these talk show hosts, late night talk show hosts mm-hmm. are having to use Zoom and, mm-hmm. and, and other technology that is pretty much accessible to, to you and yeah. I and really right. to anybody. And it's, it's really leveled the playing field in uh-huh. certain ways, which I think is just really fascinating. It is. It is like a whole other way to flatten the curve. You know, that, that whole experience, like they're flattening the learning curve, the accessibility curve. And like now the things that you think was, think things that you think were not accessible to you or prohibitive or something, you're like, huh, maybe I can actually do that, which is how it's been for entrepreneurship for a long time and people starting little businesses. But it helps to have examples. It helps to have stories. It helps to become mainstream because until you know somebody who's doing it, then you're not likely to to buy into it yourself. Like it doesn't take a podcaster or an author to convince you of this. It takes your your friend or your cousin who always had a job and then all of a sudden now they've started this thing and they're making money and you're like, wow, how did they do that? Yeah, yeah. And I, I've gotten a lot of uh, questions from from listeners lately. Those who are now tiptoeing or stepping fully into the entrepreneur self-employed world, if you will, trying trying different things, obviously to make money or or chasing after their their passion that they always wanted to do. So there's this there's this myth around having to spend a lot of money to mm. make money, a lot of limiting beliefs around that. Can yeah. you talk to any of those beliefs or sure. maybe smash some of those for us? Sure. I mean, so ten years ago, I wrote the hundred dollar startup, as you mentioned, and. Uh, you know, I was chronicling all these different case studies and stories of people who started without spending money. And, you know, since then, I've heard from, I don't know, countless people who um, have either read the book or independently on their own started their own project, you know, for a lot less than $100. You know, it's like yeah. I need to update the title or something. And um, <laughs> yeah, I started this podcast a few years ago where I'm telling stories of people who have jobs and, you know, find a way to create a new source of income. And they, they almost always do so without going into debt and usually without spending much money at all. So I think the, I mean, you, you kind of nailed it when you said limiting beliefs, I think just kind of identifying a constraint and saying, Oh, I can't do that because of this thing. In some ways it's helpful because it allows you to defer. It allows you to put something off that you need to do. And so what, you know, when something comes along, some evidence comes along, let's say that that is counter to that. And you're like, Oh, I don't actually need to have money to do this. Or I I can use zoom, you know, just like Jimmy Fallon does, you know, and I can have virtual meetings, you know, or whatever it is that I need to do. I can provide a consultation to somebody in Singapore or New Zealand with the same technology that's either free or extremely low cost. Um, hmm, I wonder what I what I should do now. I wonder what my next step is. Yeah, I just I love it. I think it's it's really exciting. And it, it's sort of within myself mm. renewed maybe a, a a sense of creativity that yeah, probably was you know I, I pushed aside a little bit so mm-hmm. I mean for me it's really interesting and and I know you uh, were talking obviously today about your new book the money tree mm-hmm. and you did you launch like right when quarantine started happening pretty was- much yeah I mean it was like two weeks <laughs> after or so depending on which part of the country or the world you're in. I mean, it was like, like I had everything planned out for the tour. I mean, it was pretty much like the worst possible timing. Although I guess I suppose now that I say that, like there's always something to be grateful for. It probably would have been worse if I had started the right. tour, you know, and like then it's like after I've done four cities of the 40, it's like, oh, can't, you know, because there's so much preparation that's involved for that. So maybe I, maybe it wasn't that bad. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a couple of weeks. It was like a couple of weeks after like I realized 
um, it, it just was not going to be possible. So in some ways, it was an easy decision to make to not do the tour because it was just impossible. Like it wasn't like I wanted to and, you know, and I just decided not to or something. So, yeah, but it was, I mean, it was like, okay, what's, what's next? You know, that's the way I've done all of my other books. I've done extensive tours and it's not always economically worth it in the short term because I'm going lots of places to speak to a relatively small number of people, but that's how I built my community. So I'm really invested in that. Um, and at the same time, you, you shouldn't just do the thing that you've done before because that's what you know how to do. So in that case, perhaps it was a good opportunity for me to kind of reflect and say, well, what, what should I try differently? Yeah. And now I've seen your face everywhere. I mean, I see your face on, mm. uh, on Facebook and Instagram and <laughs> you're always, you're always talking to me about the book. So I love I'm it. Trying. I love that you, <laughs> that's the goal. Right. That's I cool. love that you found new ways to, I think that's really inspiring because again, we're talking about this like le leveling the playing field and mm -hmm. it, it, I think maybe infuses somebody who else who wants to write a book and maybe doesn't quite have your platform, but has this mechanism now for, for getting yeah. their, their book out into the world. Well, I hope they write that book. I mean, platform, there's no like blog fairy, you know, that comes along <laughs> and here's, here's your like audience. That'd be nice. That'd right? be nice. <laughs> I mean, the, the, you build the, I, I, I never had like a viral success. I never had, um, you know, I just, it was like step by step. It was like one person by one person, you know? Um, so you shouldn't let the lack of audience, you know, prohibits you from writing a book if you have something to say. Exactly. Exactly. And, and the money tree, I sat, um, over two weekends and read through the whole book. And I really love, oh, you nice. talk about obviously this idea of finding fortune in your own backyard, but mm -hmm. I love the premise because you use the story to get across mm -hmm. money lessons rather than, rather than just, just preaching, preaching at someone. And mm -hmm. I don't want to spoil it, of course, for everyone. Mm -hmm. I want everyone to read it, but can you give us a little tease about, about the central character in this book? His, his name is Jake Aarons and, and some of the things he's up against finding his own money tree. Yes. Um, so as you put it, it's a story. It's a narrative, um, which I've never done before. All of my books have been nonfiction, and this is my first fiction. But I'm also trying to teach through it, so it's a little bit of a hybrid genre. And uh, Jake, the main character, he is uh, a, a hard worker. He's got a decent job. He's a millennial. Um, but he's experiencing all this financial pressure that comes first in the form of a lot of student loans coming due. And what I think tends to happen in life is like, it's not just one thing. Whenever you have like financial pressure, it's not compartmentalized. It affects the rest of your life as well. And so uh, it, it affects his relationship. It affects his day job performance. Like things kind of go from bad to worse and such. And, and he's like, well, what do I do? You know, how do I solve this? And he can't just work harder because he's already doing, you know, a lot of hours at his day job. He can't just drive for Uber. That's not going to help. Um, it's not really going to help pay off debt and, you know, make some significant money. And so he starts going to this group that meets every week called the third way. And uh, everybody going to this group is all trying to make money apart from their job. Some of them are trying to quit their job and go all in with something. Others are just trying to, you know, build more security, have more options like to recession proof their career and such. Um, and they all have to do it without spending money. Basically they want to make money without spending money. And so he goes through this process, this journey and tries some different things. And, uh, the middle portion of the book takes place in Ethiopia. I used to live in Africa long ago, so it was fun to write that whole section. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's, he's, so basically my, my goal is that readers can read the book and, you know, enjoy it and, and find it interesting, even if they don't think much about starting a business, but then they will learn something along the way. And there's a lot of people 
people who don't read business books, you know, even as a like business how-to author, I know very well that like the, the list of people or the group of people that read business how-to books is pretty small compared to the list of people or the group of people that read fiction. And so I'm hoping to reach a more mainstream audience with this one. I love the idea of it being hybrid. I think it's a really, really cool format. How did you, how did you decide to shift and, and write a book? that is really more fiction-based. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I love hybrid too. Um, publishers, and not just publishers, because I actually have a good relationship with my publisher, but the publishing industry, let's say, they do not understand hybrid, you know, <laughs> just because hybrid is so different, right? Like, and, it's, yeah. and they, they want everything to be exactly the same as everything that came before, maybe with like a slight modification, but like... You <laughs> Nothing be in the gray to, area. Right, exactly. You wanna, <laughs> this is like eat, pray, love, but with, you know, a slight twist or something. Right. Um, you know, so... Uh, I mean, it's, how did I come up with it? Um, I've been thinking about it for a couple of years and I just didn't really have the story or the characters. And, um, then, then I just started working on it more and I, I began this process of outlining. I probably spent three months outlining without writing and just kind of thinking it through and thinking about this person and, and what's really going on there. Like, what's the obvious problem? And then what's the understated problem? And, and that's kind of how life is, right? It's like you have like, so financial pressure is the obvious problem, but then like the, the more, the deeper internal problem is you feel like you're not good enough or you feel like you're a failure or you feel like, you know, you don't deserve, you know, a healthy relationship or a good income or whatever it is that you want in life or all those things. And so I just spent a lot of time thinking about who this person was and what kind of trouble he could get into and how he might get out of trouble and how that connects to a lot of the people that I talk to every day and hear from in my community. And so then I actually wrote uh, maybe seven drafts of this book, which I have never done before. I usually write about three drafts of a book. Wow, that's and, impressive. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I wanted to really get it right. Um, I was I was nervous about it myself when I started, especially because I was like, I've never done this before. So it's a total opposite um, and this is probably like a side note, but it's totally the opposite process of um, the way publishing normally works. Because with nonfiction publishing, you like write a proposal and like, like, here's what the book is going to be about. And then once you have the contract with the publisher, you write the book. But with fiction, you have to write the whole book first. And so that's what I did. And then I kept working on it and kept writing it. So it's been very, very interesting process uh, for me as well. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding? or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical. If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because, let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this, they release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. 
After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. Okay, listen, like many of you out there, I love Notion, our sponsor today. And I honestly use it every day for my notes and journaling. I also track our family expenses and I manage all of our household to-dos. Notion has been such a lifesaver in helping me get a lot more organized because that's not one of my strengths without stressing me out. Notion is a place where any team can write, plan, organize, and rediscover the joy of play. It's a workspace designed not just for making progress, but getting inspired. Notion is the AI-powered workspace that can summarize things like meeting notes and automatically generate action items and help you get answers to questions in seconds. It will honestly blow your mind. Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company, you're a freelancer, you're starting a startup, or you're a student juggling classes and clubs, or you're somebody like myself that just really wants to get organized. Try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash etm. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash etm, and start turning ideas into action. And when you use our link, you are supporting our show, notion.com slash etm. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, 
savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. It's Tuesday, and that means we have another Ask Shauna, and this one comes from Tamara. hope I'm pronouncing that right. Tamara says, hi, Shauna. I'm hoping you can help me out. I have a couple of questions about budgeting. I run my budget through an Excel spreadsheet that I work on at least every payday bi-weekly. I own my own home and all my bills that are coming out are out of my sole income. I have a stable job, but I seem to worry about my monthly spending even though I can track my expenditures and have them fairly stable. My first question is how much money should I have as a buffer or cushion in my checking account? The second question is when I want to put money aside for savings, when is the best time to do this? Most of my bills fall at the beginning of the month, but I never know when the best time is to move money around. Great question, Tamara. And I wish there was a clear-cut answer for you. Much of this will depend on what makes you feel most comfy. And sometimes that takes trying a couple of different things to be like, okay, yeah, this is this is the place where I feel comfiest with my money. But I'm going to give you my two cents for what it's worth, my opinion, what I do, and hopefully you can use this as a little guidance. So for your buffer, I personally like to try to keep about 30 to 50% pad on my fixed expenses in my checking account. It doesn't work every single month. There are some months where I have to dip into that pad. But in general, that's that's a number that makes me feel comfy. So let's say that my fixed expenses, the stuff that I have to pay is $5,000 a month. I'm just picking this number out of air. I like to keep an extra $1,500 to $2,500 in my checking account as, as that pad. That's what, what I have found works well for me and helps even out months when I have extra expenses like a car repair or we're traveling or just something comes up. But I would say find a number that makes you feel like you can sleep at night knowing it's there. And for all of us, that's going to be a different number. So again, this comes back to that trial and error of figuring out what is going to make you feel the comfiest. My only caution is that you don't keep too much in there. So some of us get in the habit of, of keeping too much pad in our checking account. And it's not a bad thing. But the problem with too much of a pad is then that money isn't working for you. It isn't growing. It isn't invested in a high-yield savings account, anything else. It's not growing in an upward momentum because you don't earn any interest in your checking account. There are some checking accounts where you do. However, generally speaking, you don't. So my only caution is to find a number that you feel comfortable with, but one that isn't, isn't too big where that money is just sitting idle in your checking account. Your number two question, when is the best time to pull money for savings? Again, it's going to come back to your comfort level. I like to think of savings as a fixed expense. So in my mind, if I think of it as a fixed expense, I'm more likely to do it every month. 
It doesn't mean it happens every month, but if I put my mind around it, at least it gets me focused on the positive side of savings. And I like to move it over in little chunks. So if I wanted to save $1,000 a month, I would aim to move it either in two $500 chunks or $250 a week. I think sometimes your brain can freak out on you if you move the entire $1,000 all at once versus little bits here and there. So much of money is our mind, is how we think, act, and feel about money, is those panic button moments where even if we have the money, we move it over and suddenly we're freaked out that that amount of money is gone essentially from a bank account. It's not really gone. It's moved to our savings. But our mind just sees these numbers decreasing and it's like all of the the panic anxiety buttons about money go off in your head. So we're trying to just calm the mind a little bit. We're just trying to get the mind to go, it's okay. It's okay. So if we move little bits of money we're kind of tricking ourselves into going, it's okay. So each week when $250 comes out, it's it's okay. It's not that big of a deal, right? So those are the little games that I play in my head that I think really work well for most of us. But if you spend more at the beginning of the month on just regular expenses, maybe you could aim to move savings in those like two weeks in the middle of the month. So you're not backing it up at the end of the month or at the beginning of the month. But again, play with it a little bit. See what uh, what feels right for you. So hopefully that's given you a little bit of guidance. If you're listening and you've got an Ask Shauna question, hit me up on the website, mmoneypodcast.com. Right on the homepage, you can submit your Ask Shauna or there's a link in the show notes. Again, these questions can be anonymous and there's no question that is a bad question. We all learn and grow, even I do, from answering your questions. So if you've got a question, I want to answer it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, you know, there's something about, I don't know if I want to use the word irony or not, but Hmm. but a book about finding fortune in your own backyard coming out right at that exact time during this. I mean, to me, there's just a lot of, I don't know, symbolism or Mm -hmm. or something about that, because I think with so many people on unemployment or, I mean, you know, even, even millionaires who had, Mm -hmm. who had restaurants or big businesses are are struggling. So we're we're really all more alike than we are different, Mm -hmm. regardless of income or age or whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. But having a book come out about this subject at this particular time, I mean, this is, this is the message that that we all need to lean into hmm. i mean I, I i hope so it's interesting um I, because we're all in this this time together i think that's the other thing that's so so interesting because people you know i've always gone through cycles and like you could be that millionaire and now all of a sudden you've lost your job or that source of income or whatever it was um and that's an individual thing but now you know as you said earlier like we're all in it we're all experiencing it in different ways and so people are questioning a lot of things they used to believe to be true and you know, hopefully looking for some different opportunities. Um, um, so we shall see, but I, I always want to encourage people to think differently and to like, it's okay to, to be anxious. It's okay to be worried. Like, I don't think it helps to say like, Hey, don't be anxious about anything. You know, like it's a hard time. It <laughs> right. really is right. Like a lot of stuff sucks. Um, 
But I think you can also say, okay, well, I'm, I am anxious, um, but I'm not going to panic. Like, is panic, because anx- anxious is a feeling, right? And panic is a behavior. So I'm not going to actually like freak out. I'm going to ask myself, what can I do? You know, and it's not just post more resumes on LinkedIn. You know, it's not just whatever the traditional, you know, job seeking mechanism is. There has to be something different. And I think there are a lot of different things. And so hopefully people will start thinking about that. Yeah. How do you go about figuring that out if you've never been in this in this world uh, do you have any tips or suggestions so first of all if you're listening to this conversation then i think you're ahead of so many people because you've already kind of identified yourself as someone who wants to learn you know i think that's interesting it's like we have this self-selecting group of people who follow us or pay attention to like the resources that that we create because you know they could just be watching Netflix or they could be playing Fortnite or whatever, but instead they're like, actually, I need to like do something for myself. So, so that's great. You're already on this like important first step. And I think then it's, you know, a skills inventory. What is it that you're good at? What do you have an idea already? If not, let's make a list of all the things that you know about. You probably have learned a lot in your life, you know, and no matter how old you are, if you're 12 years old, you have learned a lot. And so it's partly, you know, whatever education you've had, whether whatever job experience you've had, if you have a career or vocation, but then also what are the things that you are interested in apart from that? What are your hobbies, interests, passions, et cetera? What are the things people ask you about? I mean, just kind of making a list of those things. And then a lot of the stories that I've featured on the podcast are stories of people that have gone from one of those things and found a way to package it in the form of a product or a service. Um, and so the book also talks a lot about this, like Jake has to figure out what is it that I can offer? Cause at first he's like, I, I don't know what that could be. And then the more he kind of explores it and goes through some experiments and such, he realizes there actually are some things, you know, he could offer that are valuable. Um, but I think all those, right. Yeah, we all, I think everybody something. has them. Yes. I think in a very short conversation with, with any person, I think we can figure out what those things are. And I, I firmly believe that because I often do hear from people that are like, I don't have marketable skills. I have the skills that I, like I got an electrical engineering degree. So I know how to be an electrical engineer, you know, for a big company or, you know, whatever, but I don't know how to do the other things that you talk about. And, what I'm trying to teach people are pretty basic business skills. The, the more, the, the much more valuable skills are what they already have. Like the much more valuable skills are that thing that you have learned about whatever people ask you about the thing that's easy for you, but it's difficult, but it's difficult for other people. Like these are where the answers are. And so basically it's like the answers are already within yourself. It's just a question of like pulling those things out and learning to like translate them a bit, um, to put them in the you know, like marketplace terms that people can buy and, you know, can, can, give you money for them. And what are your thoughts about dealing with fear? I mean, in particular, we're in this crazy time, but the fear around bringing an idea to life and not being attached to whether it it works or doesn't work. How do you work that out in your head? I mean, you first ask, what are you really afraid of? And Mm. uh, you ask, what is the worst thing that can happen? Because often the answer is not that bad. You know, like I'm not encouraging anybody to invest their life savings. I'm not encouraging anybody to take like a tremendous risk. I'm actually encouraging people to make safe decisions. Like if you are trying to start a little business without spending a lot of money and doing it in a short period of time, which is the third way model, it is hundred dollar startup model. And then the worst thing that can happen is it doesn't work and you haven't spent a lot of money and it haven't, you haven't spent a lot of time and you have learned something you have learned. So actually it's like you have learned something through the process um, that's hopefully going to help you 
with the next attempt. Like that is, that, that is the absolute worst that can happen. Whereas, you know, the best that can happen is, is pretty good. You know, the best that can happen is something actually takes off with this and maybe you just make a small amount of money. But even if that's the case, that's pretty great because that small amount of money feels really good the first time that you do it. Um, the first time that you make money apart from your employer, it's just, they're like, wow, I did this thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, I hear these stories all the time. And so often then from there, it grows into something more, but even just that, that first, um, that first sign of success is so good. What do you think, because you do talk to so many different people, what do you think we're all missing or, or not getting right when it comes to this idea you say of like self-reliance and financial mm -hmm. freedom? Are there commonalities that come up over and over again that we're all stumbling over? I think a lot of people spend a lot of time quote unquote learning or re or researching without actually doing anything. And I, I try to be like understanding and respectful of this because I, I know that there are different seasons in life, you know, and so like you could read a book and it's not uh, like you like the book, but it's not immediately applicable to you. And then like a year later, you realize, oh, this is actually what I need right now. So I understand that. But I think there are, you know, I, I don't know, I've talked to a lot of people in my community for years who like have been like going through like every resource I make and like, they, <laughs> like there's not much more I can tell them, but they haven't actually done anything. So I, I think right. like, it's like, I almost want to say like, Hey, you know, as much as I like, you know, as much as I appreciate you, you reading my book or listening to my show, maybe you should stop actually for a little while, you know, and like, stop, stop taking so much in and go and do something. Right. Like go and go and actually you know, apply some of this stuff that you have learned or that you've been thinking about. And so I think research sometimes is, is like this code word for avoidance, you know, like I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm actually doing research, but I'm really just kind of putting things off. And, you know, graduate school is a great way to do that for years, essentially. And spend a lot of money. Right, exactly. Yeah. As someone who got an MBA, I can attest to that. Yeah. I mean, I did a master's degree as well. And I'm like, yeah, I think probably a good 50% of the people in my cohort were just there because they weren't quite sure what they wanted to, to do next. And it seemed like a good idea at the time. That's what their friends are doing, et cetera. And then, you know, it's some of them, obviously, like it was a good decision. But for others, they kind of like finished. And they're like, wow, what did I get out of that? And I, now I'm, you know, I've spent all this money and such. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's crazy. I mean, I think one of the exciting things now is that you can learn lots of different ways mm -hmm. and, and you can get that knowledge that yeah. you need, but you don't have to pay that price tag, which I think is, mm -hmm. is really, I mean, it's obviously rocking the university world a little bit, but yeah. uh, I really, I really love to see that pushed because mm -hmm. there's so many different ways to learn the skills. And just because you get a certificate to hang on the wall, yep. it doesn't mean that that you're able to use those skills in the, in the mm -hmm. best way possible. Absolutely. And I, I'm, I'm thinking back to finding your own fortune and, mm -hmm. and what you, what you were saying about uh, some things maybe we're missing. It, it keeps coming up this, this action piece, like taking mm -hmm. action, taking the steps. I talk about that a lot on this podcast, like just take one step a day kind of thing. And is there something that, I mean, I'm sure the answer is yes, but is there something that happens to us either from mm -hmm. a confidence standpoint or our mind or whatever it may be when we start taking those steps, does that mm -hmm. then s suddenly open us up to the ability to maybe try other things? 
It is the confidence and the belief in yourself. I think that is exactly it. Like when we started this conversation, we were talking about the going to every country in the world and like I must have learned a lot about the world. I'm like, yeah, I learned a fair amount about the world, but I think probably my number one thing that I would take away from it is I began to believe more in myself and I, I began to see, oh, I, I could get into situations that might be difficult and I could find my way out. That's a very valuable thing. You know, that is worth the 11 years and however much, you know, it costs to do that. And so, yes, that, that confidence, when you take those steps and you begin to see some results, even just small results, like you, you get your first customer. As I said, this is like, it's like a cause for celebration. You know, if you list something on Etsy and then like you wake up in the next, the next day and like somebody has, you know, paid $10 for it. Like this is a cause for like shouting it from the rooftops. You know, it's the reason why, like if you go to the pizza parlor or whatever, they have their first dollar, you know, hanging up. Um, because right, it's yeah. like, this is, um, the renaissance of your life essentially. And this is a renaissance that is accessible to everyone. So yeah, I'm glad you're talking about next steps and encouraging people to take those next steps, um, because that's ultimately what it's about. And I wanted, this is a purely sort of selfish uh, question, mm-hmm. if you will, but I- I'm curious your thoughts on, uh, the whole idea of the gig, gig economy. We've mm-hmm. heard this over and over and over again everywhere yeah. now, gig economy. Yeah. What do you think is, is, is the gig economy going to look like in, in maybe this new reality we're going to mm-hmm. face and, and people who are in the quote unquote gig economy, yeah. what does that look like for them? Well, I think the gig economy will continue to, to exist. I'm sure it will evolve in some ways. I, I think, um, overall, the gig economy has done a wonderful job of marketing itself as, um, you know, a solution, you know, some kind of gateway point to entrepreneurship. And the reality is, you know, most of the people who are working on these platforms, they're actually not making much money at all. And they have very little freedom. Like they may have the freedom to set their own schedule to a certain degree, but you know, they have to be in compliance with all these different rules that the platforms put out. The platforms determine their amount of competition. Um, effectively, they determine their their compensation, you know, in various ways. And if they don't like you, then they can kick you out, right? So it's, it's a glorified part-time job is what it is. And, and there's nothing wrong in your life, you know, at some point of having a part-time job. But just don't think of it as more than that. I mean, think of it as something that you do because you need to do something today, you know, to pay your rent next week. I understand that. Um, but while you're driving, driving, driving around, delivering food or whatever it is, you know, think about what you can really do for yourself so that you're not in that situation where you have to be, you know, doing that just, that, just as you would any other job. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Glorified part-time job. Yeah. I love that because we've sort of seen the gig economy touted as the solution to everything for everyone. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's, it's good to, to step back and think about it from a different perspective. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of studies that have come out that shows that, you know, actually the rideshare drivers are not really making that much money once you factor in various expenses and even the other platforms and such. I, I don't think they're, they're bad or evil or anything. I just think it's, they, they don't live up to the promise of like, this is the greatest thing ever for sure. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, uh, I have this probably bad habit, but every time I read a book, I start with the last line in the book (laughs) and then I go back to the beginning. That's, that's just sort of my thing, the way I read Mm. books. And the last line in your book Mm -hmm. so resonated with me. It Mm -hmm. literally ends with, you can do more than you think, which I Mm -hmm. think in my opinion, is such an important message uh, for us today. And gosh, you, I mean, I could go ramble on and on about mm. all of the amazing things that you've done from your podcast to your books to your conference, World Domination Summit. I mean, it's just, it's really impressive and, and very inspiring for myself. But I want to leave everyone with some, some actionable thing they can do today mm-hmm. or something they could keep in their mind. So 
thinking about this idea of okay. you can do more than you think, like, what mm -hmm. would you tell us? Yeah, well, first of all, you're very kind to say that. Thank you. It's been a wonderful conversation. And I thank you and acknowledge you for all the work that you are doing as well. Um, it's going to be fun because like years from now, you're going to be on other people's podcasts and be like, you changed my life and you did all this thing. So you're, you're doing a good job, you know, investing in your community as well. So let's see, to answer that question, uh, let me say two things real quick. So first thing, practical, and then one higher level. So practical, um, you know, if, if you're, if you're not currently like selling anything, I would say go in your closet or in your drawers or like look somewhere in your house, your apartment, your dorm room, whatever, and like pull something out that you're not using and put it up for sale on eBay, on offer up on Nextdoor, on Gumtree, Craigslist, whatever platform makes sense to you, whatever is locally available. Um, and you know, you can do that today and you'll make $50 tomorrow. And, you know, eventually you're going to run out of stuff around your house to sell, but this is also going to help you have fewer possessions, a uh, good thing. And, you know, that might lead you to think, what else could I sell? If I do that, maybe I could do something else. So that's the practical thing. The higher level thing is, um, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned, um, you know, you can do more than you think. Like for years, all of my work, broadly speaking, is about this theme of, of nonconformity, about how you don't have to live your life the way others expect. And so whether it's the season of COVID-19 or whether it's just normal life, like as you go through life, you're going to encounter all kinds of people who have various ideas about how you should live and work and, you know, what you should, should value and what you should believe in and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, you just, you need to know that you don't have to listen to those people and there are, there are alternatives. There are other ways to do things and it's okay to find your own path. Such a good message. Wow. Well, Chris, this has been so fantastic. I love chatting with you. I want you to tell everybody where they can go to, to find you, to find mm -hmm. the book, The Money Tree, the podcast, all the good stuff. Okay. All the good stuff. Yeah. Thank you again. So the book is called The Money Tree. Um, you can ask for it at your local bookstore when bookstores are a thing again. Um, but until then, any online retailer should have it, or you can go to moneytreebook.com. Uh, my podcast is called Side Hustle School. You can listen wherever you listen to podcasts or at sidehustleschool.com. And my main website is just my name, Chris Gillipo, and the same on social. I'm even more of a fan of Chris's after spending just 30 minutes with him. My biggest takeaway is that no matter if you work for yourself or a corporate job, you can do more than you think. Whatever that means to you, just sit with it and start to think about the ways that you can do more than you think. You can pick up a copy of The Money Tree Book everywhere books are sold and check out Chris's podcast, Side Hustle School, on your favorite podcast player. I promise you, you're going to love this book. On this podcast, we are working so hard to change the language around money to help everyone unlock the lives they want to live. Now you are a part of that movement, so it's up to all of us to invite other people in. So share this podcast episode with someone that you know needs to get their own money tree. Tell them why they should be listening to the podcast and invite them in so we can all talk about money in a new, fresh, and fun way. Hey, where are you going? We're not quite finished yet. We just wanted to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money and for helping us create a safe space to talk about money. For more on this episode, check out the show notes and don't be afraid to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Seriously, we love hearing from our Millennial Money family, so send us your rave reviews. We look good in five stars, just saying. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode.
With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.